Well, it's good to be back for another episode of Paranormal, and it's that time of year, uh, Halloween time, so we wanted to do something that would sort of, I don't want to say anything as cliche-ish as get people in the spirit, because that's just kind of bad, but well, there I did, you know, (laughs) guess I guess I couldn't avoid it, but uh, zombies, yeah, Yeah, we're going to talk about zombies today, and there's actually... uh, sort of a, an important discussion to have here, depending on what trajectory you follow, um, academically anyway, and I think spiritually, you know, with, with zombies. But with us again, we have Trey. Trey Strickland's with us, and Doug Overmeyer is here, Brian Gadawa, Doug Van Dorn, and of course, everyone's favorite, Natalina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the, the reason why so many people listen. So but let's uh, just be honest. Obviously. <laughs> Well, this time um, I, I sent everybody uh, some articles and also some book reviews or, or sort of research reviews. And just by way of a, a real brief you know, overview of that, the, the reviews were either over uh, the, the work of Wade Davies. I think it's Davis or Davies. Yeah, Davis. I've actually seen it spelled two different ways, but we'll go with Davis. Uh, his his famous book, which was made into a movie, Serpent and the Rainbow, which was about his experiences in researching zombification in Haiti, and then his follow-up work, Passage of, of Darkness. Both of those books, uh, even though uh, and the movie, even though that was sort of in the you know published for the the non-specialist, they drew a lot of attention. Uh, from the scholarly community, because Davis had published, um, you know, material in the journal literature about his, you know, proposition that you know zombie lore in Haiti was really uh, due to uh, a particular use of uh, of a drug, which we'll get into. And there were both positive and negative reactions to his research. So we read some reviews of that. Probably, I think one of the major criticisms we we read Booth's article called "Voodoo Science." This was published in uh, in Science again, not not necessarily a, a journal, but but something that's you know was still peer reviewed. Uh, sort of going through his objections and the objections of others to uh, what Davis had done in his voodoo research or his Haitian research is probably a more proper way to say it. We also read uh, Ackerman, uh, and he has a um, – let me see here. He has a, a co-author with him, Ackerman and Gautier, I think is how you pronounce that, The Ways and Nature of the Zombie, which I thought was a really – it was it was a pretty thorough article uh, in the Journal of American Folklore. Uh, he wasn't dealing just with the whole – sort of drug theory, but he got into, you know, the terminology, the, the folklore, you know, not just in Haiti, but in other cultures and how those things overlapped or didn't. A uh, really good 30-page article, scholarly article on zombies. I mean, who would have thought? And we also read uh, a little bit of, I, I threw in an article on Tibetan zombies, just again, to kind of acquaint us with the fact that this isn't just the Caribbean. It's not, you know, just Haiti. You know that that sort of thing, and then there was also uh, an interview uh, with Davis 
by the same publication that published Booth's sort of objection to his research, Science, again, is the name of it. And he, he talks about zombification. Uh, you know, again, what, what he's talking about, what he means and what he doesn't mean. And, and his, that, that piece is really actually a letter that Davis wrote uh, sort of rebutting or responding to Booth's uh, comment article, Voodoo Science. So I think by way of introduction for the audience, I'm just going to read two paragraphs from Ackerman. I should also mention before I do that, we, we're going to have, uh, you know, some of these things will be, I'll be able to post uh, online, you know, on the episode page and also a video and some other links of, of, of some pictures, you know, Natalina uh, had a, had a picture that I think is, is relevant for the whole subject. And, you know, some of our other hosts, you know, have contributed things that we can post on the episode page. Some of this stuff, you know, we can't uh, find linked, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put up there what, what we can. Uh, the YouTube video is kind of interesting because of the new drug, you know, called Flaca that, uh, again, is referred to as the zombie drug. And again, we'll get into that as we proceed. But, you know, we'll put as much there as we can uh, on the website. But for, for sake of introduction, uh, let's just go in with two paragraphs from Ackerman's article. Again, it's very thorough. He writes, zombies, spelled Z-O-M-B-I-S or zombies, I-E-S, the living dead have always created much morbid interest. Recent media events have brought the topic to the forefront again. A captivating, if sensationalist and problematic book entitled The Serpent and the Rainbow presented a possible pharmacological explanation of zombification. That's Davis, 1985. Uh, so this was written you know, shortly thereafter. This was followed by a horror movie of the same title, 1987, and another book, Passage of Darkness, in which certain pharmacological and ethnological findings were more fully explained. Wade Davis, the author of both books, was attacked for less than rigorous scientific methodology and a controversy ensued. Davis's inquiry was, tw- was triggered by the discovery in 1981 of a man named, uh, again, just taking a stab at the, the name here, Clervius Narcisse, or Narcissa, who claimed to be a flesh and blood zombie who had been drugged, buried alive, taken out of the grave, and enslaved. There was even a medical record to prove it. This news caused much commotion. One wild book claimed that, quote, thousands of drugged slaves work on the plantations of certain Vodun dignitaries. That was a 1983 uh, article. Another book, or no, excuse me, a book, another book, a general study of Haiti offered a medical explanation. Zombies were said to be poisoned and somehow maintained in a cataleptic state. That was a 1984 book. Davis set out to find a pharmacological basis for zombification and in doing so obtained several samples of different, quote, zombie powders, unquote. One ingredient of these powders could plausibly induce a state of apparent death. Now, this zombie powder thing, my last comment here before we jump in, uh, what, what's referred to in, in the literature is tetrodotoxin or TTX. And a little excerpt here from um, a medical site just about this, this drug. TTX, one of the most powerful neurotoxins known, is about 1,200 times more toxic to humans than cyanide, and it has no known antidote. This toxin binds to the sodium channels of the excitable tissues in the human body, in other words, muscles and nerves, 
And the inhibition of sodium ions through the channels effectively immobilizes these tissues. The severity of the symptoms induced by the TTX is dose-dependent. In other words, it depends how much you take or how much is given to you. The symptoms included tingling of the tongue and lips, headache, vomiting, muscle weakness, ataxia, and even death due to respiratory and or heart failure. So again, this is Davis's view. Davis believes that there's a process of zombification, in his words, and that people get administered the powder that contains TTX, and that is the explanation for what, what Haitians talk about in relationship to this whole subject of zombies. So with that as an introduction, this can go a lot of directions. And, you know, it there was a lot of pushback and response, rejoinder, that kind of thing in, in, in what we read this week. What did you think? And how would you assess the, uh, the material, anybody? Well, I think it's relevant to talk about, especially given the, um, you know, in the past few years, there's been so much discussion about zombies, not just in pop culture, you know, with The Walking Dead and everything, but in the news, because there have been all of these drugs that purport to make people have zombie-like attributes. Um, You see uh, zombie attacker, you know, on bath salts or whatever on the news. And then even as far as like the CDC putting out a um, zombie apocalypse preparedness guide, (laughs) Um, I can can send you guys the link, but it's literally on the CDC website that – Preparedness 101, zombie apocalypse. And of course, they say, well, this is just sort of our lighthearted way of telling you to be prepared for a disaster situation. But it is really detailed right down to pictures of zombies on the CDC website. And as an interesting side note, my little brother works in, um, he's a chef at a, a elder care facility. And the government is running everybody who works in that type of environment through preparedness drills. Currently, this is currently going. And so they give each place um, a particular type of disaster to come up with a plan for how to survive it, were it to happen. And the facility where my brother works was given zombie apocalypse as they're <laughs> by the government. Oh. Well, you know <laughs> uh, that. That's interesting because you know, Ackerman's article goes on to, to point out, and I know we're going to get into this, that there are essentially two types of zombies that people actually seriously talk about. There's the soulless body, which is kind of what we what we think of with Hollywood. Um, another, you know, another it's it's connected to they're undead because they they're these bodies or these people, in scare quotes here, these people that don't seem to have much in the way of what we would think of as consciousness or maybe even sentience or something. They're, hey, they're, well, they're, they're just zombies. I mean, they're, they're mobile, but they're not kind of there, you know, in, in, a, in a intellectual consciousness, spiritual, whatever term you want to use, and probably all of them are appropriate. But they're, it's, it's a body that's, that's mobile, but there's no soul to it. You know, that, that's the kind of feel. And then the other kind are, is actually what Ackerman refers to and other people refers to as sort of the opposite, bodiless souls, which really gets us into zombie talk and zombie lore uh, 
in in you know some of these these places Haiti and others that really sounds a lot like demonization you know spirit possession channeling i mean all these sorts of things we would associate with you know the the, the dark spiritual world so it's kind of interesting that you get there, there's actually two kinds two ways to talk about this but what you're describing and what we we typically think of is like world war z mm-hmm. you know the, the zombie apocalypse because that was if I, have all of you seen world war z Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, because because there you have you know some sort of virus or something that turns people into these zombies, and so that's the kind of thing that would be the backdrop to this. That there's some environmental problem, just something goes haywire and produces massive numbers of zombies. Okay. So you know, in, in the academic literature, it's talked about with in connection with a drug. You know, here you have a virus in the movie, and then the CDC is probably tracking on the same thing. So, you know, what what are some other impressions of it? I thought it was pretty interesting that, um, like, the, the modern take on zombies really seems to be that kind of an epidemic sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And they're all following that. But when I was reading the, the literature, at least the Haiti part of it, it really wasn't that at all. It was more like a, a witch doctor and an individual case by case sort of a thing. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't until I read the uh, the Tibetan zombie one, which I I read that one last, where I found anything at all like an epidemic zombie. In fact, he actually calls three types of zombies. One of them was the epidemic. So I thought that was pretty interesting, and it makes me wonder where Hollywood is getting their you know their view of zombies because it's not coming from Haiti. So um, you know maybe it's Tibet or maybe it's some some other sort of a thing. Yeah, this is Gadawa. Um, as a professional storyteller, I'm always going to sort of come at things from the mythological and the anthropological viewpoint, you know. And what I find fascinating, I'm by the way, I'm a zombie movie fan. So, I uh, <laughs> it's a genre. It's actually a genre that I um, really appreciate. And I used to hate it when I was younger, but now I actually love it. But I I think what we're talking about here too is is that all you know. I think that there's a I, we could talk about what's the commonality. How come so many cultures do seem to have some similar yeah. concepts? Not just zombies, but you know, uh, blood-sucking demons and stuff like that. Uh, you know, va- uh, whatever Dracula stuff. But I do see that each culture sort of has its own evolution. You know, that's d- usually dictated by the you know the zeitgeist or the the cultural sort of worldview that dominates in any particular time period, and so. Uh, if you look at the zombie genre, at least in the West, you do see that it, as with all of the genres, by the way, but in particular, it, it, you know, what the West grabs a hold of seems to be the, uh, this notion of dehumanization, you know, because that's, of course, what the zombie ultimately embodies. And then in the beginning, or, or you know, in the earlier years, zombies were created from nuclear type things, you know, nuclear fallout or what have you. And then as, as, you know, since we're a science-driven culture, our zombie, uh, you know, stories tend to evolve in that direction, right? So then you see 
uh, as years go on in Hollywood, at least, you know, in the zombie genre, it becomes more oriented towards toxic wastes, you know, like the 70s and the 80s when it was all about pollution and the environment, right? Of course, that still goes on today, of course, but um, but you also see more of these. And, and, and then nowadays, it's the biological, the virus, that kind of a thing. And these are all, you know, if you, if you look at the genres, I think they're often driven by the storytellers of the culture. Because what we're doing is we're always looking for something new and fresh, a fresh take on something. And so whatever, we are the ones who are reading the newest science and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And then we find the new things and then sort of embed it in those stories. And that's, and then that then drives the culture, you know, it reflects the sort of newest theories and then it, it popularizes them. And, and now we're, we're up to the point where, you know, we've got the walking dead is, is very popular and stuff, but that's that, that story angle really fascinates me because like I say, I think a lot of this reflects our own worldview back to us, you know? And, and I also think that the, the zombie interest cross-culturally probably, you know, it's probably linked to this, you know, uh, this notion of the, the soul and the body and, and how does that all, you know, connect and how does it all work out? And it's us processing that in, in a way, you know, that's at least my first take on it. But did you think that, you know, I mean, everything you said there, I think, you know, because we're all, you know, moderns and Westerners here, you know, that that's easy to see. I, I was thinking, you know, like with, with the Haiti stuff, you know, cause you, their, their rationale, you know, would be, well, the, 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 the practitioners, the people who are supposed to be zombifying people. Okay. They're doing it for what reasons? Well, there was a, a comment in, in one of the articles about, well, we, we do this to, to people who are social pariahs. In other words, it's like a punishment, you know? And then there, then there was this other motivation to, to do this, to have the zombie work for you, like, like on this, on the plantation that came up all the time. It was almost like, like you could see somebody who was enslaving other people, this, this whole, you know, sort of, you know, system of injustice that would, would operate pretty easily, but kind of justifying it, you know, by saying, well, we're, you know, just, just telling the public, well, they're, they're here because, Again, they're just bad people, and we have them under our control, and they're going to, you know, work for us. So you don't have to, you know. That do you think there's anything to that? That that there was some sort of use of the idea to just justify using people. I mean, that, that it was yeah. just something that popped into my head that it, you know, they they didn't the, the writers didn't go come out and, and accuse necessarily people of that, but it, it just a feeling that I had reading through it. It, re- it reminded yeah. me. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. No, no. Go ahead. No, no. It, it reminded me of in the Middle Ages when when people would would find an outcast, usually an old old woman who was sort of the community had to take care of, uh, you know, a widow. Mm-hmm. And so, well, that was annoying. So they accused her of being a witch and then killed her. And it, you know, these are outcasts in Haiti and and someone who just no one likes or maybe they're mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And so you you get the local witch doctor the to turn them into a zombie and then they, they go off and they work at plantation. Then the community doesn't have to worry about these, yeah. these, uh, mental, either the mentally ill or just outcasts or people who are annoying and they don't like, and you can't really prosecute them for anything. So let's just get rid of them. And now there's, it's, yeah, it's very, it's a way to dehumanize. And then if they escaped from them, you know, and the idea is to be a zombie, 
on a plantation, you were drugged. So mm -hmm. you, you were continually drugged. And I kept thinking of like prostitutes in America who yeah. are under, you know, whatever drugs uh, pimps give them. And they're just, they're outcasts, right? They're run, runaways. And then the pimp finds one, starts giving drugs, and now they're hooked. And now you have a zombie, basically. A soul, basically a soulless person that you can use and abuse. And I was also troubled. It, it, I found the articles, um, I found the, the cultural concept of zombies in Haiti much more chilling than the modern American concept of them because it was so intentional. It was like intentional evil. Rather, in America, you know, Walking Dead, it's a virus and, and it's, it's scary, like biological weapons or genetic engineering. That's, that's all scary. You can't control it. But, but it's quite another thing whenever you have the guy down the street who's mad at you and is going to poison you and send you off to, into involuntary s servitude, which is right. part of Haiti's culture also. And it's kind of brilliant because then by labeling these individuals as zombies, it, if one would happen to escape, for example, the public would be fearful of them. So they'd be less inclined to, help, you know, yeah. help, help, you know, rein them back in. However, this, I just have to point out this, um, is it Ackerman article? There's yeah. one section in it that just makes me giggle just, a, just a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe, maybe not uh -huh. very nice, but the, and the, under the section that says purpose of zombification, it says the victim becomes a slave of the sorcerer who zombified it made to work like a robot in the fields on construction sites in a bakery or a shop or keep the books. Is that not hilarious? Just imagine like our <laughs> idea of a zombie yeah. working at a bakery, like give me a cake. <laughs> that is just so hysterical to me. <laughs> well, I've worked in just cubicles and I felt like a zombie. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I do think that that's probably one of the reasons why zombies are a very sort of a universal thing because they do sort of capture that notion of our personal feelings of insignificance, dehumanized and in different cultures, you're dehumanized in different ways. But I think there's something to this, this, the public, you know, how horror as a, you know, horror itself, different kinds of horror have a public or a popular sort of drive to them, you know, uh, side to them. And then it has the power side where, you know, the, the public, like we're describing these things about, it, it's like it becomes a way of describing something they don't understand or that scares them, the unknown, right? The, the, the zombie lore. But then the powerful see how they can use that to, um, you know, to manipulate or, the, you know, the culture or what have you. And I think that Davis even makes this point in his, in his book and in the movie, The Serpent and the Rainbow, as well as the book, he makes this point because it's connected to the baby Doc Duvalier's regime and the fall of that regime. And, um, and he, they sort of link the, uh, that, that voodoo aspect of control to the government as a means of, you know, whatever, and not just necessarily the government, just people in power using it for their own, you know, dastardly interests, you know, oh, and, yeah, of the masses. Think, yeah. So I think in that sense too, even the modern day zombie thing, you know, if you think about it, they're, they're legitimate. Uh, there's, it, it's like a phobia, you know, like, uh, like I said earlier, it's about the nuclear scare. Then it's about biological scare. And then it's about the environmental scare. And these are all phobias in the culture that, you know, when, if you think about it, watching these or, you know, in, ingesting the stories uh, sort of reinforces that phobia. 
uh, in, in whatever, whatever, whatever direction you're, 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 you know, you're seeing it. So it's like, yeah, we should really watch out. You know, it's the Frankenstein notion. You know, we should really toxic waste. We should, you know, we, we need to, to be fearful of this because of what it can do to us, that kind of a thing. And, you know, other, other Doug, have, have we heard from the other Doug yet? I, it's hard for me to sometimes distinguish between <laughs> Doug Van Dorn, DVD and DO. <laughs> Yeah, I spoke earlier. I got I got something else that I'll bring up. Maybe to maybe to ask you guys a question. So this is in the Ackerman article, and it's um under the section African origins of the zombies, and it's a conclusion of it. And it says two conclusions. First, the zombie concept is very old and possibly predates the historical Bantu migration, uh, an African idea. And then second, and this is the part that that struck me. He says, in the most important in this context, it makes the poison hypothesis of zombification unlikely. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, to me, that kind of seemed like a an either or, or, or maybe some maybe some sort of an idea that ancient people couldn't possibly have known the ideas of what poisons and roots and stuff like that could do. Yeah, that, um, that seems a little a little. It seems a bit of a bit of wishful thinking. There is, I mean, what. What reason would there be to conclude that they didn't know, you know, what what plant would do what to somebody else? Exactly. I mean, you got. I was thinking, it made me think of a passage in Enoch from the Jews writing, you know, where it talks about, you know, all the way back in the days of the sons of God, you know, one of the one of the watchers came and taught the people enchantments and roots and all this kind of stuff, which is exactly kind of what that's talking about. So, yeah, I, I he. You know, I'm, I'm going to try to just imagine because it's an older article, and I, I don't. Who knows if this guy is you know, even alive anymore? So I don't. I don't feel any necessarily necessary compulsion to be fair to him, but I'll I'll try to be fair to him. Maybe he was talking about scale, but I would tend to agree with you that it's just kind of like well, just because they wouldn't have a, a long you know chemical name for something doesn't mean they didn't know that hey you, you pick this one up and you prepare it this way and it's going to have this result it, it it seemed a bit wishful you know thinking but wasn't I, the um side of that but wasn't the point in a lot of this literature was um that while the powder theory was a you know on on the surface makes some sense mm-hmm. worthy of exploring uh isn't the fact i mean since we're talking peer-reviewed literature and being able to reproduce exalt uh, results and stuff wasn't that one of the things that came out of this was there really ha- isn't any evidence yet to stand up there isn't repeatability there isn't uh you know and and as they explore davis's account yeah it's it's good hearsay or what have you but he you know he doesn't really have the powder didn't do what they said it would do and you know they examined it and they don't really have the evidence yet to support that theory isn't that isn't that the yeah case? i mean I'll, let me let me just for the sake of the listeners let me just read uh ackerman uh, under under the section the poison hypothesis he he has a paragraph summarizing the problems with with davis's work he says davis's thesis is problematic in several respects number one Many characteristics of the flesh and blood zombie can be explained by mental disorders, notably amnesia and catatonic schizophrenia. Number two, one of his eight zombie powders did not contain any puffer fish. That's the t- the, that, that would be the TTX ingredient. 
Three, only two zombie powders contain small, apparently innocuous amounts of TTX. Fourth, it is not clear which samples were studied in which laboratories and what the exact results were. There's your replicatability problem. Five, most samples contained human remains and a confusing variety of ingredients of weak or uncertain effect. And six, the poison was administered in a seemingly ineffective way. In at least three instances, the powder was to be strewn on the ground in the path of the intended victim or on its doorstep over a buried magic candle. In other words, how, how would it get into your system? You know, and, and, you know, Booth goes through a lot of this stuff, you know, where he, uh, you know, gets into, you know, what, what labs received what and they couldn't, you know, reproduce things. Um, you know, he, his, his whole article is actually kind of a long critique of, uh, of Davis's work and quoting some other people that Davis had given samples to and, and, and whatnot. And kind of, you know, he accuses Davis of cherry picking evidence in his publications and excluding things that didn't work. And then, you know, Davis in his response, the one that's entitled zombification, he tries to sort of fill those holes and um, obviously objects to how Booth characterized his research. But at the end of the day, I, my impression was, okay, there are problems. I mean, they, I think that's a charitable way of saying it. There are problems with the drug hypothesis, but it seems to be the case that if you had the right stuff, the TTX, and if you got lucky enough to administer it correctly, if that's the right word, to someone so that you didn't kill them, that it would produce this zombified state. But, but of course, that leaves the question, well, does anybody down there really know how to do this with precision and, and, and you know, repeat it with precision so that you could actually have this as an explanation for, you know, in, in sort of a broad sense for the, the, the zombie thing, you know, the, the zombie topic. And that, you know, I, I, I feel kind of ambivalent. I, I, who knows, you know, maybe there's somebody, maybe there's a witch doctor down there in Haiti that really knows, you know, knows what he's doing <laughs> and, and can use this effectively and precisely and, and, you know, get similar results every time. But, but then there's the scale problem, you know, and, and Davis to hit in his defense would say that he never claimed that there were like, there's like an assembly line of cranking out zombies, you know, and he, he, he never claimed that even though he gets accused of it. And I think that that's a fair comeback on his part, but it was so sensational that people sort of kind of drew that conclusion because when you think about Haiti and, and its religion or its beliefs and voodoo and all this stuff, z zombies are just an immediate thing. They're an immediate ingredient of that conversation. And so it kind of creates this impression the, the country is just littered with zombies. They're just everywhere, you know? <laughs> and so it creates this assembly line, you know, kind of, kind of thing, you know, to, you know, it gets married. That idea gets married to what Davis was trying to do, but it, anybody else feel any, any different about it? it that, that like, man, he's just totally wrong or he's been accused totally unfairly or. Well, I know, think where, it's where back to what I was saying earlier about the, this like either or thing, like because it's old, it yeah. can't be poison. And earlier in the Ackerman article, they um, he gives an etymology for zombies from all sorts of different places in Africa. Mm -hmm. And 
curious all these words end with bi like zombie um but anyway yeah. you've got um you've got kind of the physical thing like the revenant so you got coming back from the dead but then you've got and i think this kind of this is important for us as you know christian podcasts talking about zombies mm-hmm. um you've got meanings like devil or spirit yeah. or the invisible part of a man or a night bogey you know those i mean those are all spiritual components so yeah. it seems to me like this is a the whole issue is a bit more complicated than either a poison or you know just some sort of a folklore or something and you got you got real spiritual evil i think that is probably involved at least in some of this you know thinking about what zombies are Davis contributes some of the confusion to the worldview, the sort of the the worldview of the Haitians and how supernaturally minded they are and that they just it's like it's just a world different than and he's kind of sympathetic to like once you're in that culture, the reason some of some of the the witch doctors are uh, quote unquote unsuccessful is. Is well, it's just as a spiritual reason. That's why you know. So you know, if they try to zombify fifteen people and only one of them becomes a zombie, well, there are spiritual reasons why the fourteen others didn't. But the and you know, and there's a spiritual reason why the the you know. So they have an excuse built into their worldview. But I, you know, I I, I agree that there ha- is so evil. <laughs> the whole idea is just so wicked, and we. we we shouldn't be scientific materialists when it comes to approaching it. I don't know that these people are demonized, but I, it's just like if you're trying to poison someone to turn them into a zombie, and and there's all you know we're we're landing on the chemical aspect of it, mm-hmm. and but they certainly they meaning the uh, the witch doctors, the sorcerers who you know I mean that term goes all the way back to the old to the to the Bible right the sorcerers were people who used chemicals to try to induce yeah. some spiritual thing. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive categories, but you know, for for a modern you know materialist researcher, they're not even going to be thinking about that. So, how does that come into play then? Because when I see the modern the flaca, you know, and the and the zombification, you know, you watch those things, you watch people on that drug. And by the way, that's not the first one. Um, I think is PCP was also one that kind of does something similar, gives them superhuman strength, and they kind of go crazy. You watch those videos, and my gosh, they look demon possessed. Um, but is, is that too easy of an explanation? I mean, isn't it possible for our bodies to go wacky and haywire with, uh, chemical with the certain chemicals and such, you know, but then that made me think, well, I think we're back to that question of, well, okay, if we, we don't believe none of us here believes that the use of drugs is inherently demonic, but if sorcery, which is from the Greek word pharmakia, which means there is probably drugs involved with the demonic world. How, at what, how do they interact? You know, how do they connect? At what point is it not medical and it becomes spiritual? I actually don't know. I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, it, we we may we may need to devote you know an episode just to pharmakia. You know, it might yeah. be really worth doing that because it made me think of that. It made me think of you know the earlier uh, episode we did on sleep paralysis. How yeah, on the on the one hand, you know, you can reproduce the the sleep paralysis trauma, including like, oh, there's somebody crawling up on my bed and sitting on my chest. You you can reproduce that in a lab, you know, by by fiddling with you know brain chemistry, that kind of thing. But then we we also during that episode, we I can't remember. I, I think it was a couple of you made the comment that, you know, when you're in a in a sleep state, 
again, and, th and this is of course tied to the whole issue of consciousness, which is, you know, also an issue for this topic. Um, you you might be in a you might be in a, in a in a greater position of vulnerability. You know, you you might be more exploitable in a sleep state, or in this case, in a, in a drug, you know, some kind of altered state, you know, altered mental state. So that not only people could influence you, but also, you know, spiritual power. So it made me think of those two things. And um, Acts 16 popped into my head. Mm -hmm. This is Paul and Silas. I'll just read the passage again for the sake of the audience. Acts 16, verse 16. This is Paul and Silas. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl. It's interesting, enough, she's called a slave girl <laughs> who had a spirit of divination. There's the spiritual element and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Now, so it combines this, this slave issue, you know, with again, the, these, this apparent, she's under the control of something, you know, in, in this case, the spirit of divination, she followed Paul and us crying out these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim you the way of salvation. This she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said <laughs> to, to the Spirit, he says to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. Okay, then her owners get freaked out because, boy, we're going to lose lots of money now. So, I mean, she was under the control of people. She was also under the control of, of you know, a, a spirit, the spirit of divination. And, uh, again, it, I'm, I'm quite sure that if we met, did a study of divination, uh, you know, fortune telling, you know, that we, we, we drilled down on these terms in the first century and earlier, we're going to run into this whole category of, you know, pharmacopoeia or again, you know, you, you, you know, in Old Testament terminology, you get the same kinds of things where people are brought under control through the use of spells. You know, that, that's usually the way this kind of thing is translated. Uh, you know, spells or sorcery. And some of those Old Testament terms do actually refer to the cutting of the roots. You know, this, you know, I, I don't want to say what we think of as, you know, herbal therapy today, but it, I mean, it's more severe <laughs> than that. But that kind of thing that there, there's a drug element to this. So there, it's, scripture presents them not as mutually exclusive categories, but they, they're overlapping categories. They don't have to overlap, but they do in certain passages. And so, you know, I, 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 again, that kind of stuff popped into my head as I'm reading this zombie stuff and thinking, okay, you know, there, this sounds in certain settings and in certain cases, this sounds very similar, just like, you know, you guys were saying this is very similar to what biblical literature, Enoch and other books talk about in relationship to being tools you know, of, of, of dark forces and humans. Not again, not to exclude that, but but you, you bring in the spiritual component here. The, the, the zombie thing sounds a lot like that, especially in the Haitian and African context. Yeah, yeah. I it's just funny, don't know how uh, you can get I, away from it. I've looked up uh, Ephesians two. I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you're since you're going here, Ephesians two one and and two. If you look up zombie in Ephesians 2, you will find people talking about this. <laughs> you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you used to walk. And the reason I <laughs> thought about bringing this up is because um, of what he says next. Following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. So you've got this idea of being dead and yet alive at the same time. 
And unbelievers, unbelievers are the living dead. The living dead, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. it's a, zombies can be used as a metaphor for that. Which I'd like to throw in here, not to to divert it too much, but this is one of the when I, I I'm kind of like an apologist for horror in the Christian you know realm because a lot of Christians have problems with it. In fact, they even had me. Um, I had an interview with John Piper's website, which it was like they had like forty thousand hits on it because I was talking about the movie It, and the, and and it's very Christian in its worldview. But I was also supporting horror in general, you know, which a lot of them don't like. But I said, you know, one of my favorite passages is Micah three, which I say that's a, a zom- God likes the zombie genre because he describes the um, the leaders of Israel because they were spiritually uh, you know, spiritually unfaithful to God. He described them as zombies. They were tearing the skin off my people, eating the flesh from their bones, you know, uh, flaying their skin and breaking their bones into pieces and chopping them up and eating them. Right. And so I said, you know, zombie, zombie is a powerful spiritual metaphor that's in the Bible. What would they say? <laughs> uh, people don't ever, I, I've never well, seen. We're having technical I, difficulties right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, Christians do not ever have a response to that because because they they just they just don't tend to rem, I don't know they don't tend to think of it in those terms like when they're reading this they're accepting it well this is God's word but they never stop to think hey wait a minute this is a this is a zombie or this is a you know this is a blood drinking demon or whatever or you know Dracula type character and and there are many passages like that throughout but they just never see it from that perspective because I don't know why I don't know why but. They they never have a they never have an answer for it. It just shocks them. There's one in Zechariah where it it sounds like a literal description of what we see as zombies in movies, where it's talking about the enemies of Jerusalem, and it's Zechariah fourteen. Uh, 12 and it says and this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem their flesh shall, shall consume away while they stand on their feet and their eyes shall consume away in their holes and their tongues shall consume away in their mouth that conjures in my mind just the classic zombie imagery yeah. <laughs> well see yeah. you, you, don't, you don't know enough about eschatology there natalie that's a that's nuclear war don't uh, (laughs) brian already told us that nuclear wars and zombies used to be the thing (laughs) yeah 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 but you know Uh, on the other side to enter into god's protection you enter into the covenant and a symbol of covenant in scripture is salt and what we've learned in these articles is if you want to de-zombify someone you give them salt and Uh, and so i just wonder how much of this has descended through you know centuries and centuries of folklore of you know symbolism where did it come from why does why does salt yeah, so another way go ahead it, it didn't it didn't originate in haiti it doesn't you know right we go back and I'm, I'm sure michael could probably come up with lots of mesopotamian examples as well you know that that it maybe this has been the you know an underlying um sort of notion or imagery through all of human history we just it just adapts as as cultures change or something well we did on the on the naked bible podcast we did an episode well not an episode but a whole series on uh, leviticus Mm -hmm. and you know i'm I'm glad you brought up the salt thing because i i was hoping you know we we would spend a little time on that anyway but you know you get these laws about not ingesting blood and there are different reasons. It's not always the same reason. 
Um, but they would, they would treat meat, you know, with salt. And that was, of course, to, it was to draw out the blood. In other words, to, to get as much blood out of the, out of the meat as you possibly could out of the, out of what had been sacrificed. And so there you have a, a, a blood salt, you know, connection. And by drawing the blood out, then it was fit for consumption. You know, it, it was, it was legitimate and it, it has to do with, you know, the, uh, you know, broadly speaking, uh, life forces were considered to be from God. And, and so it was appropriate for God to consume, you know, those sorts of things. You, 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 you'd burn something on the altar and whatnot. Uh, but it was not appropriate for humans, you know, to, to essentially ingest the life force, you know, that, 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 that kind of thing, uh, again, just broadly conceived. And so this, this was something abominable. You had pagans do it, you know, they, who weren't sensitive to this kind of idea. So there was this, this prohibition for, let's just again, use broad categories here. The godly aren't supposed to consume blood. You know, they're, they're supposed to get the blood out. And so here you have the picture of zombies. Well, that, this is what they're into. You know, they, they're consuming blood, you know, all the time in the vampire thing. And, and then, you know, what, what defeats them, you know, is this, at least in one tradition is, is this salt connection. Hmm. You're pro- kind of like robbing them of this, you know, this, this element of nutrition or this thing that this fuel that keeps them going, you know, that kind of thing. So I, it was really interesting that you had that particular element and it goes way back. I mean, now we're talking the biblical period. And of course the, these, these biblical ideas have a wider, you know, ancient, you know, context to them as well. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's a lot older than Africa, but it, I, I don't know that there's a direct connection. Um, there, there could be, I mean, who, who knows, you know, who knows what an ancient people or not even an ancient people, who knows what like people in Africa, let's just say you have, um, you know, something in the modern world, but it's, it's African in origin. Are they thinking in the same categories? Maybe, maybe not. Have they been exposed to, you know, biblical ideas through, through Western Europeans? And then they, they make, they incorporate them in, into their own mythology. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, that, that happens, you know, a lot, in, you know, in, in history, it, it's, it's hard to know, you know, what, where the idea comes from and then sort of how it's transmitted, you know, and it can be a number of different ways, but I did think it was kind of striking that, um, the antidote, so to speak, you know, for, for zombies, you know, to release them, you know, and, and essentially let them die, really die, like permanently die is this salt thing. I remembered that from Kolchak, the night stalker. That was my first exposure <laughs> to the zombie. Cause that's how he gets rid of the zombie. Kolchak. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta put the salt in its mouth and then sew the lips shut. Oh yeah. That's remember right. that, that episode. Yeah. I love Kolchak, man. Yeah, so that that was uh, that was how you get rid of the zombie, you know, way back in the seventies. You know? <laughs> That's the nineteen seventies solution for zombies, but it's yeah. obviously drawing on this salt, you know, kind of thing. And whether yeah. that you know has this idea of you know life force and and divine world versus human world, you know, it, it's difficult to know how it exactly relates. But you know, you you have them juxtaposed in biblical thinking. One of the things that I like in terms of the modern zombies, um, I'm 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 try I always try to sort of persuade people the value of the zombie genre because this oh it's so grotesque you know eating human flesh and all that, but 
if you look at all pretty much most most of the modern zombie stories, whether it's The Walking Dead or Shaun of the Dead or my personal favorite, 28 Weeks Later and 28 Days Later, both of those movies, pretty much most of the zombie movies, they're really almost always about two ethics. And uh, it's the ethic of self-sacrifice versus the ethic of survival. And in most of these movies, and Walking Dead is a classic example, when you, when you, uh, when you um, are community-oriented, in other words, you know, protecting the community and even to the point of sacrificing yourself to save the, the community, those are the people who are, the good, who are good and those are the people who ultimately survive even if you sacrifice yourself. Whereas characters in stories where they're concerned about surviving and they'll give up other people for them to survive – uh, those are the people that are the bad people in these stories. And if you pull back, you say, well, that's really pretty much the Christian ethic versus the evolutionary ethic, you know? And so that's why I think that's one of the reasons why I, I love the zombie genre because of that value of bringing out uh, what, is, what, is, what makes a human, you know, and, and why are we more valuable than, than that which you know than other animals you know because the zombies sort of represent a reduction to a purely animalistic state or whatever that's not human anymore you know and so in a way it sort of shows human exceptionalism which in the modern world is often negated you know where they're often you know oh that's that's being speciesist or whatever you know so that's that's one of the reasons why i absolutely think that zombies is a a great modern genre you could also carry that over to transhumanism with nanobots. You know, they're talking about nanobots mm. going in and rewiring damaged uh, neural connections in your brain. And so, you know, there's articles about nanobots programmed to keep functioning even after you die. Wow. Yeah. So maybe we'll have a modern zombie movie. Brian, there's your next idea for your next movie. Uh, modern zombies with nanobots. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Or a, 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 a good nanotechnology effort goes wrong and produces yeah. massive zombies. <laughs> exactly. So I have a question for you all. Um, sure. Going back to the to the long article again, he, he distinguishes two kinds of zombies. One is mm-hmm. a body without a soul, but the second one is a soul without a body. And I, I read that a couple times, and I'm not quite sure I understand how you get a soul without a body that's a zombie. So what, what, what were your thoughts about that? I think, isn't he, didn't he say like after they buried somebody, uh, like the, the spirit or the bodies, you know, the disembodied part of the person sort of hovered around the grave for a while. And then the, um, and then the witch doctor would, would grab him and put him into a jar or something. And then like unleash him. Like it, it'd be like a, a like a ghost that you could order around and oppress people. It, that's kind of what I got from it. Was that? Yeah, but there were some other things like they that even a a soul a bodiless soul zombie could like work in a plantation. That that idea came up for that one too. I I didn't understand how that could I did, be. Was that like an <laughs> invisible person? That, that was, yeah, I, yeah, that's I what I was yeah, yeah, he yeah, brings and make, up and make a wife pregnant. Yeah, yeah. I thought of an ads uh, article about something related uh, a couple years ago, <laughs> just uh, ghosts impregnating people. Right. And didn't you have an article about oh, yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Spectrophilia. I was quick. I was curious about that too, because um, it did just sound like a ghost, but then I didn't know if it meant like you could take 
a soul and implant it into a different, you know, it's kind of like in pop culture, there's different kinds of zombies. Like there's the, the people who are infected and they just become zombies or there's like the game of Thrones style zombies where they're just strictly supernatural beings that, but they like inhabit skeletons and stuff, but it did sound more like a ghost to me. I, I read a, a, one of the books they, uh, one of the articles mentioned a book in the 1928 um, called uh, The Magic Island, I think. And so I, I skimmed it, and it, it it was basically a travelogue. And it's hard to know how accurate or how real uh, this guy, who's an American who went to Haiti and uh, wrote his experiences. But he described uh, an animal sacrifice ritual where um, up in the mountains of Haiti and a real primitive, real horrific scene where you had a girl and then you had a goat and then they did some ritual where the spirit of the girl went in the goat and then the spirit of the goat went in the girl. Then they sacrificed the goat. So it was like sacrificing the girl, but it was like this sort of substitution thing going on, but they didn't really do a human sacrifice. But yet the goat now, the goat spirit was in the girl. I mean, it's really kind of horrific, but I kind of wonder if, if this, this zombie idea, you take the, the, the spirit out of a person and you put it into a work animal. Maybe that's what they're talking about, like an ox or a goat or something. I think all of those things are, ac- they're all alluded to or mentioned in, uh, in the Ackerman article. It, it, what, you know, my take on this was, okay, here we've got this person that's turned into a zombie by whatever means. Okay. So, the, the body, the person's body becomes this soulless entity. Well, something has to happen with that, that disembodied part. And so then that also becomes, it, it you know, it, it renders service to the person control, you know, who, who manufactured the zombie. So the, 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 the spirit part, you know, becomes uh, a victim as well, sort of a separate victim. So that I, I was wondering if, if that, I hate to call it a conundrum. You know, I don't think they're th- thinking too consciously about this if you're doing, you know, doing the witch doctor thing in Haiti. But it seems like, okay, we've got two parts to a person, material and immaterial. The material one becomes this physical zombie. And then I'm going to, as the witch doctor, take their, their spirit. And that's going to also be a zombie. And then it, it's going to serve me as well and do this and do that. and Go get this person or go work over here. It, it what, what I'm getting at here is is I'm wondering if, this idea, this this flip side of, of what we think of as zombies, sort of arose because we got to do something with that other part. <laughs> you know, something has to happen with that other part. Um, why would I, you know? Wh- why not? You know? Why not? Um, you know? Think of it in these terms. You know? Because you know all, all those things that you guys just mentioned are, are alluded to. You know, somewhere, even putting them in bottles. You know, just like. Right. <laughs> It was just really weird that that you could convince a culture that you had control over this this disembodied entity. Doesn't the Ackerman article, doesn't that also say that there's another belief that there's actually two two spirits in the human? There's there's the human spirit and the zombie that reside in them. Right. It gets so confusing. Well, they they, and they there was an appeal. They they didn't take it anywhere in the article, but there was a speculation that. And again, they didn't even make this connection either, but they, they brought up, well, is the ancient Egyptian thought of the immaterial part of a human? Is, is that the backdrop to this? Because ancient Egypt, you have three components to the immaterial side. You have the Ba, the Ka, and the Ak. Ok. 
and they all do different things. They all are like these, these disparate parts. Um, and, and, and some of them, at least one of them can sort of function as the person outside the body. But I, in a, they didn't even say, well, maybe that's, you know, since Egypt's in Africa, maybe that idea, you know, worked its way into these African, they don't even make that connection about African lore. They just sort of bring it up and drop it. Um, so I, I don't know that there's any, anything to that. I think they were just sort of searching for an analogy, um, that they were hoping maybe some of their readers would be familiar with, but yeah, you're, you're right. You've got more than just one immaterial part in depending on what the lore is, you know, to, to me, it, it all just sounded like, you know, to, to use an oversimplistic term, but demonic spirit activity, you know, just again, yeah. some sort of, of spiritual entity that the behavior of which, or the ideas about which become married or parsed or filtered through this notion of, of zombification, you know, really on, on both sides, I could, I could see how it, it could contribute, you know, spirit activity that we see in scripture could contribute to both kinds of zombies that, that we read about. So I was kind of struck by that. I didn't know much about zombies going in um, other than, you know, the, the caricature. But when you actually read about how they talk about them, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, th- this text comes to mind. This passage comes to mind. You know, you, you, you just see kind of the connections. You don't know if there's a, a direct line of transmission there. I'm not arguing that. But you can see if, if there was spirit activity in these cultures and they sort of had a notion of how to talk about death and the undead and, and, and this, you know, this again, dark spiritual activity here, you could see how they could marry the two and then out comes a body of tradition, you know, through it. That was just my impression. I don't know if any of you think I'm barking up the wrong tree there, but I kept thinking that if, if you were an enemy, powerful spirit, like a watcher or principality or something, and you really hated humans because they were the image of God, you would con- you would just love this effort to this kind dehumanize of people. <laughs> yeah, to just dehumanize, yeah. to just de- degrade and pervert the image of God and, and all these things. I, I just found this really kind of horrifying in a fascinating sort of way. It's what horror is supposed to do, right, Brian? You're supposed to be like, oh, this is exactly the opposite of what God had in mind when he made humans. Yeah. Have any of you read any more on the Flacca, the, that whole zombie drug thing? Because that's something that I found fascinating, but I didn't get a chance to look more into it because it wasn't really connected here. It's I mean, a real problem. Articles. It's a real really? problem. I, I found that it's especially in the UK, it's really, really a problem, but it's showing up in the US too. But I mean, it just destroys you. Um, there are people, there are reports of people just, you know, mutilating themselves and others um, losing control of it's, it seems to be almost unlike any other drug throughout history which is mind altering you know where it's sort yeah. of you know if, if you go with like a hallucinogen or, or you know like psilocybin or something where it's more of an internal experience or you go with something like meth or cocaine where it's just sort of like 
heightened reality or marijuana, which just sort of, you know, mellows you out. But this is something entirely different where it just makes you literally crazy and, you know, literally kind of ripping your own flesh off. It does such horrifying things to people um, that, I mean, I... Why would they take it? That's my question because I'm not like a huge drug use apologist or anything, but I'm saying like if you're wanting to have some kind of mind-altering experience, why would you take the drug that is proven to make you hurt yourself, hurt others, and look like an absolute raging fool? You know, there's there's countless videos on YouTube of people under the influence of this. And, um, and then there's another drug called Crocodilia. Uh, I, I, or something, oh, gosh, I, yeah, I, I think I, that's I what it's called. That too, yeah. yeah. And that one literally it's kind of become like almost a substitute for heroin, but it'll make your skin turn green and fall off. And yeah. you look like a walking like a zombie. Yeah. Oh, and then of course there's the bath salts, which have a similar, um, physio physical reaction as Flacco, where, you know, we, we remember this guy in Florida who ripped somebody's face off because he was under the influence of bath salts, um, or, or uh, allegedly, um, that, that make you violent toward yourself and others. I don't understand the appeal of this drug unless it's just as simple as, you know, people are so, apathetic now that they're just craving some kind of experience whatever that experience may be but it's kind of horrifying now somebody sent us uh videos from a couple a couple people in brazil taking something called cloud nine and those videos were just freaky to me mm -hmm. is that is that yet another drug I've I've seen that referenced in a few of the the, the drug related things I've read outside the articles. So I my it seems like it. Yeah, it, I remember you know seeing that in some of the other literature. See, what's interesting to me about all these things is you, you don't have the idea of coming back from the dead with any of it, right. but you do have different aspects of what a zombie is in popular, at least modern zombie. You know, through through pharmacy pharmaceuticals so yeah back to the back to the poison stuff again well i found yes. that that a law from the 18 what was it, 1880s or something in haiti where it said basically if you give someone a drug and they become very lethargic and then you bury them then you're guilty of, of, of murder so yeah. like it, it's i don't know what the history of that law was but that's what we're talking about all right you give someone a drug they become super lethargic people think they're dead but they're not really dead you bury them, then you go dig them up later, and then you got yourself a bona fide slave. And whoever everyone thinks is dead, and they see him walking around, well, you're a zombie. So you really are. You're the you're the walking undead. So it's oh my word. I just want to tell people you are the image of God. All right. Yeah, like you you have value. You don't need to destroy your flesh. You know, it's it's horrible. Yeah. It's completely outside my frame of of reference. And even if you know these cultures that are have a supernatural worldview. You know, you know th this this movie that I watched the other night, White Zombie, 1932, Bela Lugosi film, great film. But the, the guy who ends up saving the day is is the Christian missionary. Uh, he, he goes in, he's he's who actually <laughs> kind of does it. So it's really funny that that's. Of course, it's also kind of 
uh, funny, not really funny, but the Hollywood film turns it into a, like a date rape drug. So, you know, keep, keep this drug out of Hollywood because of what goes on there, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> because of the Harvey Weinsteins, you know? Yes. yes. Um, anyway, I, I thought, I, I think just for the, for the listeners, it, we should just make note. The reason this Davis went to Haiti to look for this drug was in the first place, which it was really weird. He he shows up. He he just miraculously pays off a few people and gets access to the drug. And that's what people had issue with. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you, you know, people have been looking for stuff like this for so long, and you just happen to do it. You walk. Wait, what do you do? A man walks into a bar, two hundred dollars. You can come out with with the zombification <laughs> drug. But they're looking for like anesthetics, right? So that's what you know. Allegedly, they're they're looking for, and they and they found the pufferfish drug, um, apparently, which. It's not really an anesthetic. It's just a killer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was the story. And then he, you know, comes across this, well, you know, he had heard of this, this, this guy, you know, had been buried. And then, you know, 18 years later, he walks into the, into the village, you know, that he used to live in and has this story about, well, I, you know, I remember people burying me and, and, you know, then they dug me up and beat me up. And then I, they turned me into a zombie and here I am 18 years later. And, and since it had, you know, some documentation, you know, it, that was part of it as, as well. But, but yeah, you're, you're right too. That there was this other, you know, this other motivation, you know, going on too. And, and that was related to this. It, that, that part made me too think about the whole, <laughs> you know, how, how the government gets involved in, in LSD and hallucinogens and all yeah. this other stuff, you know, yeah. that originally looking for a truth serum. You know, and then right. they they get they get drawn into this this whole world uh, of uh, all this pharmaco- pharmacological, you know, badness. You know that this this whole danger zone, and then the rest, as they say, is history. But I kept yeah, thinking there, about our too. our vampire episode where people weren't sure when you died, and so like if yeah. you can't fill a pulse, you're dead. They bury you. And then you start moving yeah. around. You're a zombie. It's like, mm-hmm. no, maybe you just went into a coma, you know. And so I, I it's, you know, I guess I'm glad we embalm people in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> there was one of the one of the articles again talking about the drugs. I think it, it might have been one of the reviews that um, mentioned. I can't remember what culture it was, but. Where one of these drugs, you know, is is sort of known to you know zombify people. That if it was known that they had, like, if it was known that they had eaten something or something had been given to the to the victim, uh, maybe that created a, a circumstance where the person didn't know what he had eaten or drink. They 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 required, you know, culture that you 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 let that body lay out for three days <laughs> yeah. just to make sure it's yeah. dead. You know, because yeah. yeah. they they were kind of aware of of this, you know, possibility. So they actually did that. You know, yeah, I love the three days thing. That was pretty, pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, just interesting. Well, I think, um, you know, th- again, for me, this was an interesting topic. I, I didn't know too much about zombies going in. And I, I again had this thing in my head that it was drug, it was disease, you know, like the world war Z thing. And, and this is, you know, where it's going to going to land on. I, I just, I, I didn't know that there was this whole other, you know, so much of the talk in, in Haiti, Africa, whatnot, these other places really drifted over into this, 
you know, into a lot of talk that you'd associate with ghosts and, you know, demonic possession, you know, that kind of supernatural activity that, that was really interesting for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we did it. We'll have to, uh, I don't know what we're going to do post Halloween. Uh, we, we can talk about that. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'll, I'll say this, you know, for the, for the sake of the, uh, of the audience, um, I'm going to, I'm going to be trying to do something on the history of Christmas, some of that. So, uh, we're going to do that on, on naked Bible. So if anybody suggests Krampus <laughs> or that kind of thing, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, we're in that, in that time of year, we'll have to think of something better, I think, than that. So thanks again to everybody, uh, being with us. And it was an interesting discussion again. Glad you guys could make it. And, you know, thanks again. Thank you. It was a good, good, good conversation, guys. And have a happy Halloween. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, in light of all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in light of all this other stuff, yeah, have a happy Halloween.